All right, all right, all right. Well, I'm excited. Me and the wife and Tish and Clint just got back from last week at Bethel Church. We had a good time. We got refreshed, whacked, filled up, slammed, bammed, everything. We just got, it was good. We got blessed big time. You're all like, what's he even talking about? You had had to have been there to know what I'm talking about. But it could happen today. So I have a little something on my heart. But before that, um, I'm going to kind of do this a, a little different. Normally, I'll stay on one subject. So what I'm going to do is have a, like a little bit of something I want to share. And then I have like a whole lot of something else I want to share. Okay? So we're going to treat this like a, a little appetizer. And then we're going to do the main course. And then dessert will just be, we'll, we'll pray for everybody. Does that make sense? Okay. So I'm not, I don't usually do this. I want to make sure you guys can stay on track with me. Like, wait, he was just talking about that. And then now he's talking about this. A little bit of something. Then I'll go into the main thing. Okay. So, um, amen. There we go. See? Some people here are learning. I like that. And if I raise my hand, you raise your hand too. Like you say, oh, me, it's me. You know? So if I call you out, you say, oh, that was me. You know? All right, never mind. Come to the altar worker training. We'll, we'll explain how to know. So a few weeks ago, I was, um, we were, I was having something going on in my business. It was just kind of one of those times where we're having a, had a couple business situations come up and money got a little tight and I was, you know, stressed out about money. Anybody ever stressed out about money? If you're not raising your hand, you're totally lying. There we go. Come on. Raise your hand. Quit lying. This is church. You can't lie in church. So, anyways, I was stressed out about money. Not, not, yeah, anyways, I was. So I went for a walk. You know, I said, all right, Lord, you know, give me some wisdom. I was thinking the Holy Spirit was going to give me like some awesome download about how to make more money, how to be like, you know, better businessman. So I'm walking and I'm praying. And uh, the, Lord, the way the Lord speaks to me is I get um, either like little pictures in my mind like you would imagine something, right? I just have like a thought come to my mind. And over the years, I've recognized that, wait, that thought, I didn't invent that thought, right? So I'm like, I didn't think that up. And so I start to learn, hey, that's, I think the Father's saying something to me here. Or sometimes he'll speak to me like coincidences, like I'm praying and all of a sudden, I'll have the same thing come up two or three times. Like somebody will say something and so I'm like, you you know, so I just, you got to really be in tune because the Holy Spirit whispers. Uh, Anyway, so I was praying and I got the name. I was walking and I saw the name Rockefeller. Everybody know about Rockefeller, right? Super mega, 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 mega rich person. I was like, yes, Jesus. You can give me some ideas. We're going to be a billionaire. Come on, God. You know, I was super stirred up. So I get on my phone. I don't know anything about Rockefeller besides the Rockefeller oysters, which I like, and that he was rich. Yeah. So I Google him and this article comes up and I'm, you know, I'm jacked. I'm like, God's going to give me some business wisdom. It's going to be ridiculous. We're going to make a ton of money. And so I start reading through his article, and, well, it wasn't exactly what I was thinking. So this article, this article is quoting uh, uh, some different excerpts from Rockefeller's life, and he starts to talk about giving. I was like, oh, I didn't want to hear that one. (laughs) And he starts to talk about, how from day one, see Rockefeller was a, um, 
he was uh, he sold groceries. I guess you like would actually get a commission off of grocery sales back in the turn of the century. So he would sell groceries and he'd make about a dollar fifty a day. So he talks about how he said he gave away five hundred million dollars in his lifetime. So that's a little bit of change. If he, if he was at if he was alive today with his wealth, he would be worth ten times what Bill Gates is worth today. He was the he was the first billionaire in the in world history. So this guy was rich, 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 rich. So he talks about in this article. He said, "I could not have given away my first million if I hadn't have gave when I was only making a dollar fifty. And then he quotes this verse, and he uses this verse as the key to all of his success. You ready? Proverbs eleven twenty four. Man, this is good. <laughs> One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly and comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So when I read this, I was like, oh, man. All right, Lord. You know, his kingdom is just totally different than ours. It's just not the way. And again, this is just, I, I'm just sharing what the Holy Spirit's teaching me, okay? Um, his kingdom is just totally different. You know, in the world, the world says, you know, save all your money. Don't give anything away. Do all this. Do this, do this, do this. And eventually you'll be wealthy if you do this. God just has a totally different recipe. He's like, if you're a generous man, then I'll bless you. If there's something in the kingdom when we, and this, this last verse, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Anybody want to be refreshed, right? So this, that verse has just been eating me up. I'm like, okay. So there's plenty of times where I'm like, I'd love to be refreshed. I'd love to, to walk in the supernatural blessing of God that's totally from heaven. And I'm like, oh, the only way to do this is I've got to give what I want back. It's like, ooh, me, I got to give this money away. <laughs> all right. So again, this is, this, is, this is the appetizer, all right? So anyways, I feel like the Holy Spirit is really looking for a people that have radical generosity. There's something about it because when you're radically generous, you're basically saying, I am not dependent upon this world system to provide what I need. I'm dependent on another source that's not just, and sometimes you don't have the faith for that. Some, I know that there's been times I haven't, like, Lord's like, give this much money. I'm like, I got faith for this much money. Are we cool here? Can we give this much money? I'm like, I'm going to give this money. <laughs> I'm like, anybody ever been there? I oh, have. Yeah. The Lord's like, give this. I'm like, I'm going to give this much. Oh, gosh. <laughs> like, let's start here. Let's start with my faith is right here. But there's something there. And again, I'm not perfect at it. But I, I was just like, I was blown away that the richest man in the history of the world accredited this as a secret. I mean, now he was incredible businessman. That wasn't, you know, you could study his business strategies for, for you know, years because he was incredible at it. But he didn't accredit any of that to it. He accredited it to this. He made a decision, I'm going to be a generous person. No matter what happens, I'm either going to be generous if I'm getting a fifty a day or if I'm making a million dollars a day. I'm going to be generous. And he set a standard in his life and it didn't change. Now his wealth changed, but his standard never changed. Isn't that good? Okay, well, I thought it was good. 
Amen. Thank you. Yes. Come on, Jesus. That is. It's a little bit more than an appetizer. That may be hard. Some of you are having a hard time swallowing that. I'm sorry. Okay. That's, that's, a, big, that's a big piece of meat right there. Yes, it is. Yeah. So you all can gnaw on that the rest of the week, I guess. I'm going to read it again. It's just a really good verse. One person gives freely yet gains even more. Come on. Another withholds unduly and, but comes to poverty. <laughs> a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. That's a totally God thing. That, it's like that doesn't make any sense. But if we could live that, and I'm not saying that for, to say give more money. That's not what this is about. This is a total lifestyle. Generosity is a lifestyle, whether it's giving a couple of dollars to the person asking for money at the you know, at the corner, whether it's you hear about a need of a friend and, you're, and you give, it's a lifestyle, it's a posture of the heart that says, I want to be a helper, you know. And obviously, you have a certain amount of money that you can and can't do. If you want to give all your money away, make sure that you have real faith. Don't just do it after that. I've given, I've given a lot of stuff away and I didn't have faith for it. <laughs> it was like it did not work out. But being generous, being generous is the key. I mean, who's a greater giver than God? I mean, who could give more? I mean, there's nothing more that he could give. I mean, so, you know, he, I mean, seriously, he's like, you know, what's the highest, the best thing I can give? I'm just going to give my entire self. Because I can create everything, so that doesn't matter, but I'm just going to give my entire self to them. <laughs> Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Thank you, Lord. Actually, you know what? Put your hands out. I'm not going to make you stand. I just want you to pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, make me a generous person. I want to refresh others. Hallelujah, Lord. Yes. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Off that subject, I know some of you were already like, okay, tell them to stop talking about that. I'm just kidding. All right, the next thing I want to... All right, so we're on to the main course. The main course, I'm going to call this a fire that can't be stopped or put out. So I'm going to call this. And I'm going to kind of shotgun you here. Do you understand what that means? I'm going to just kind of bl- just give it all to you, and we'll let the Lord work it out, okay? So um, maybe a couple months ago... Well, no, I'll, I'll start like this. Um, anybody ever had like some ups and downs in your motivation for the Lord. I mean, seriously, right? I mean, I've had plenty of ups and downs, like several multiple times a day. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) Can we get off this ride, please? Um, Yes, I've had it plenty of times. I've had extreme highs, extreme lows. And um, a few months back, I was... um, I, I, it was a, we had just had a rain. I have a little creek behind my house and I wanted to get away with the Lord. And, um, I put on my boots. I got these big old muck boots and it just rained. So we had the, the creek was just roaring. So I put on my little, um, headphones and I went down there and I was going to take a walk in the woods, but I got in the middle of the, of the creek and it was basically it was like a river at this point. And it was just rushing. I was standing in the middle of it. And, uh, anybody heard that song city of hope? from Amanda Cook, right? So this song comes on. I'm standing there and this water's just rushing over me and I just said, 
I just, the Lord said, stop right here. So I just stop. And the Holy Spirit just begins to just wreck me. And this song, The City of Hope, is just, just crushing my heart. I'm just getting so consumed with the goodness of God. And the Lord began to speak to me. You know, there was nothing at that point that was going to ever stop that river. There was nothing. You could have built the biggest dam. It would have ran over and it would have went right over and kept on going. There was nothing that was going to stop that river at all. And it was just, just pouring right over me. And um, the Lord said to me, he said, uh, well, you know, I'm going to quote it so I don't. He said, Ben, fear will get people to change quickly, but not permanently. Hope will take longer to get people to start. But once hope consumes the human heart, it is unstoppable. So I'll give you some examples to help you bring it home. So prime example, I'm an evangelist. I can scare you to death and make you come up here to get prayer. <laughs> I mean, I can make it happen. Trust me. You get used to it. You know, there's, there's a moment where fear, and there's some goodness to that. There's, there's some of that's right when you're coming to the Lord. But when fear becomes the motivating factor, it will always come and go. Right? So some of our, some of our walks with the Lord is... I better pray or this is bad's going to happen or I better, I better go to church or this is going to happen. And for years, I lived in this battle. You know, I had, a, I had a terrible lifestyle before. You know, I came out of a drug addiction, all this stuff. And this kind of, I don't know that this was told to me, but it kind of became my, my default thinking from Tish. Default thinking was I better pray and worship and do this or I'm going back here. So the motivation was fear was fear. What if this doesn't happen? Or what if I don't fulfill my destiny? What if I don't, you know, I'm not the man of God that people think I am. All this stuff, fear became my motivation to pursue the Lord. So naturally it would just, one day the, the devil would throw a couple condemnations and I'm back on the prayer chain. I'm praying, worshiping, and it would just go up and down. Well, the Lord has been speaking to me about a different motivation. I'll give you another example. When It's like a sprinter and a marathon runner, right? The sprinter just comes out the gate. I want to give everything to Jesus. I want to do it all. They're, they're excited. Boom. 200 meters, they are dead. They're not moving again. They're out. See you later. Marathon runner is just cruising. Doesn't stop. You know, it's like a, it's like a train, right? A train, train takes forever to get going. We're at Dollywood and they have this old steam or coal engine. It took forever for this thing to get going. They were like warming it up. It's like 30 minutes. We just hear it. They're warming it up, warming it up, warming it up. Well, once that thing started rolling, there's nothing that's going to stop it besides its brakes. But it, I mean, it's just, it's going because it has so much energy towards it. Right. And so there's a place, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me about a place or a walk with him where the lies and doubts and fears become so small in our lives and the revelation of his goodness, of him, his love for us, of his hope for us in our lives becomes so big that it's all-consuming. Does that make sense? Is this, am I, are, you, are you with me or, you, or did, I, did I lose you? I didn't lose you, okay. Um, okay, okay. Uh, Proverbs it says, Proverbs says that hope deferred makes the heart sick but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. 
I believe that it's possible for us to have such a revelation this, that happens through constant meditating on the goodness of God, casting down the lies. This is a great follow-up to, to what Tish was talking about. Casting down the lies of self-doubt, you know, condemnation, all those things, and, and renewing our minds on, on who, what the Father says about us, who he says you are, who he is to you, what he wants for your life. And when that becomes unbelievably consuming, when it becomes something that's not just, not just something you're trying to, to obtain, but it's something that becomes your norm. Does that make sense? You know, where it's a, an actual process where you're like, no, I actually believe this now. You know, we've, um, we've really dumbed down the word believe in our culture. You know, Jesus' definition of believe and our definition of belief are miles apart. Our definition is, I believe that doctrinal truth. That's our definition of believing. I believe that that's true. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and he rose from the dead and that he sits in heaven. That's, for us, we have a very intellectual agreement is where we go. We have an intellectual agreement. I believe that's the truth. Just like I believe that, you know, that screen's blue. I believe that that's true and it's something in my mind. Jesus's definition of belief is a consum- con- there's something in the heart where the heart actually, the heart actually buys into this, right? You ever had something, um, again, I'm trying to, maybe even when you're a kid or, or, or something, maybe you have a, something good starts to happen. Um, trying to think. What would be something that you just start to buy into it? You just start to say, I believe this is actually going to happen. Maybe you're planning something, right? You start to plan. Does anybody have like a, maybe a financial goal or a goal to do something? And it seems afar off and you keep working towards it. And then there's a time maybe halfway through it that you say, I believe this is actually going to happen. Right? Anybody ever been there at all? Maybe it's a work. Maybe it's a goal just like for your personal health, for your fitness. And you're like, when you first start, you're like, I don't think this can happen. But you just like keep trying, right? You keep trying. And there's a place like halfway through there that for some, your heart begins to buy into it. Like, you know, this is actually going to happen. Like, this is really going to happen. It's, it, well, I'm in sales. So when we do sales all the time, so you kind of get this, you kind of have this up and down thing, right? You're, we're talking to clients and you kind of get, and we call this kind of the, we get in a groove. You get in a groove where you're just like, I'm crushing sales today. What happens, nothing changes. Your pitch doesn't change. Uh, we're, it's the same product. And I have it every single time. One day, one of my salesmen will be on fire and it's all in here. It's all in here. He's got confidence going on. He's believing that he's going to have an outstanding day. And all of a sudden it starts to happen. He bought into it, right? And so every day our guys go out to do, do sales. There's always those lies that you're going to have a terrible day. You're not going to make any sales, blah, 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 blah. You're not going to have enough money. I mean, all these lies. I mean, every human being has these lies, right? But then the good salesmen learn to believe something better. They learn to buy into it. And I can see it in their eyes when I'm, I'll, I'll give them, I'll coach them. I'll say, hey, you know, I encourage them that they can do anything. I encourage them that they can make this much money. And I'll watch in their eyes down this process of me encouraging them. Boom, that person believes it now. Now they're unstoppable. Right? You tracking me? Same thing with the Lord. There's a place where it's almost like the whole, that God's just kind of like constantly chipping away at our heart constantly chipping away at our heart where it's like, I've almost got you. I, I've almost got you where you actually believe that I'm a good father. 
I'm just, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I almost got you where you believe that I have a radically good destiny for you, right? And he's just continually chipping away at our heart where this, he's, he's so in hope. He said, you get these prophetic words like that happened today. He's so in hope. He's like, I'm, if I just get them to believe this thing and get them started, game over. They're not being stopped. Uh, but I, there, he's in this battle with the doubt, the fears, the lies that go on in our, in our minds, the insecurities that we've had. And he's constantly pressing in and we can help or hurt the situation, right? We can either agree with, you know, the garbage or we can agree with, with, the, with the, the truth. Yes, no, maybe so. Okay, all right. Absolutely. So anyways, I'm interested in... I'm interested in, on a, on a daily basis, having that hope of heaven, that goodness of God, be the constant thing in front of my heart. Now, it's not, I'm not there, so I'm not, I, when I, I'm sharing as, like, let's do this together. Um, but there's, there, anybody ever been super motivated? What if you, you know, like, maybe you've been in service, and you've been thinking one, you've been thinking some stupid stuff, like some, the devil didn't lie to you and you bought into it, right? You believed him, right? You believed him, no problem. Like, a course is going to happen. A bad stuff always happens to me, right? It was just easy for him to get you. But, you know, it's really hard to get people to believe that, you know, a lot of good stuff can happen to you. Like, God really has some good plans. Like, are you sure? I don't know about this whole good thing. <laughs> but it's a shift when it happens. It's like you become, you, you begin to attract it. You know, same thing with my salesman. Like, I, I can tell you every day, my guys, the guys that have a bad day, I'll look them in the eyes and say, what do you think happened? They'll be like, I don't know. Maybe it was just the area people I was talking to. I'm like, no, it wasn't. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, it was your heart. It was your attitude. They're like, oh, I'm like, I saw it. I saw it before we got started. You were worried about this situation and the whole day you're worried about the situation and your day sucked. They're like, oh, I'm like, you could have forgot about that situation and you could have changed your attitude, right? You could have changed your attitude and you could have seen something different but you chose to let that sucky situation continue to make your day suck. Same thing with the Lord. When we're walking with the Lord, we can believe lies about him, lies about ourselves, And then all of a sudden we just kind of stay over here. And then somebody will say something like the devil say, well, you're not, you know, uh, You've been to church in two weeks. What's wrong with you? Blah, 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 blah. Boom, you're at church and you're reading the Bible, right? You're, you're afraid, right? You're like, oh man, I got to get the Bible. I gotta do it. Right? A couple days later. Same pattern because it was fear that got you there and fear can't keep you there. Does that make sense? That's why I love it. I love this song. You know, the story of the prodigal son, right? So the story of the prodigal son, he's coming back filled with fear and shame. The father in his wisdom knows if I allow my son to maintain the fear and shame, he will leave again. The same thing that got him out of this house and the same thing that's bringing him back is going to make him go again. He knew that he had to break a pattern in his son's heart and his thinking. So he had to absolutely crush every single lie his son had. You notice his son, his son makes his full confessional. The father never one time mentions the son's failures. Never even comes out of his lips because he knows if it comes out of my mouth, my son's going to believe it. Because he was wise. He was a good father. He knew I've got to run to him. And I love the fact that he runs to him because he knew 
that shame may keep him from coming all the way. (laughs) So the father takes off. He runs to his son. He lavishes everything he has on him. What's he trying to do? He wants his son to believe. No, I am a good father. You are home. You are my son. You're never going to be a servant in my house. He wants to slam that for him because he wants a son to stay. Does that make sense? So there's a place that we can get with the father where that's every day, where it's every day. I'm not saying that you're not going to have doubts and struggles. Every human being, you're always going to have the temptation, but there's a place where you become, it becomes a habit of, nah, the father says this about me. No, sorry. This is where my heart stays. I keep my heart believing this. This is where I've rested my heart. I've rested my spirit. I've rested on the goodness of God. I've rested on what he's declared over me. I know that he's good. He's always good. And I know that you're a liar. Okay, good. All right, now we can all go. No, I got some more stuff to share. I'm gonna take a look at Peter real quick. I love... um, I like Peter just because he just, it all makes, he makes sense to me. John doesn't totally make sense, you know. John's just like, seems like he's constantly in love with the Father, constantly believing everything. I'm like, never puts his foot in his mouth. Again, of course, that's what it says in his gospel. So, you know, maybe he left some stuff out. We don't know. (laughs) So you got Peter here, right? I'm just going to walk you through. I'm not going to read all the scriptures for time, but it's all in there. Um. You got Peter, he's this, obviously he's the leader of the 12 disciples. It's, it's, it's obvious, the disciples know that. He's been destined, Jesus, Jesus, you know, calls him out, says, you know, you're Peter and on this rock, I'm gonna build my church. That's not meaning they're gonna build it on St. Peter. That was on the revelation that God, Jesus was the son of God. So he calls him out, he has all this radical destiny. You know, two seconds later, he says, Jesus, you're not dying. Jesus says, you're the devil now, get behind me. He wasn't calling him a devil in his identity, saying, now you're listening to the voice of the devil. Before I, you were listening to my father's voice, now you're listening to the devil's voice. Do, you know, do y'all know the story or do I need to read it? Who doesn't know the story? All right. So he listens to the, I think it's, is it, it's Matthew 16. I'm going to read it. Just because some of your eyes are like, eh, I don't know what he is even talking about today. Listen, no matter what I say today, when Todd gets back, you say, man, it was good. oh lord help us all right so um now when jesus came into the district of caesarea philippi he was asking disciples who do people say that say the son of man is some said elijah some said jeremiah he said who do you say that i am Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Boom. Next verse. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must, suffer, must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and be killed and raised from the dead. Peter took him aside and said, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. So I love Peter because here he is. He's like, the man? 
not the man. Like in like two, like 20 seconds. They're like, he was like, yes. And he, he got confident. He's like, I know what I'm talking about. No, you shouldn't do that, Jesus. Nah, sorry, bro. You're back. So he's just like me. So I, I, I love that about him. But you see this and then he, then you go on down, you see Peter. Peter I, I believe Peter's wrestling. Peter's, every, every human being, but every disciple was, is they're trying to discover they're trying to buy into this thing. Here's this man who's doing unbelievable stuff. He's saying things. And it's like, oh man, yeah, we believe. Oh, I believe it. Oh, I believe it. Oh, it's just this war going on with these guys, right? And it's the same thing happened with Peter. Jesus tells Peter, he says, you're going to deny me three times before the, the rooster crows. You'll deny me three times. And Peter, no way is that happening, right? So he says, no, I believe he says, no way. Jesus tells him that. He's like, I will die for you. So then you see Peter, the, the Roman soldiers come. Peter's like, I will die. And he tries to kill a soldier. He's trying to prove to himself because he's got this fear in his heart, right? He has this fear in his heart saying, no, I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to be this person. Anybody ever been there? No, I won't do that. I won't do that, right? He's got this fear in his heart and he's motivated by fear. And he doesn't quite believe this thing yet. He's still, he's still struggling. Of course, I'm, I'm putting a little bit into the text, but I'm just assuming. So if I'm wrong, forgive me. So... He doesn't quite believe it's saying he denies Jesus to a little girl. <laughs> you know, he's like, oh my gosh. And he runs away. Right? Runs away. He, right? To me, it's like, hang on. If you, if the fact that he ran away shows that, there was, that he had not bought into this. He didn't believe and he hadn't bought into it 100% with his whole heart. That's not a bad thing. That's a process. We have a whole process. It's, we have a journey of, of walking with the Lord and learning to believe him. So then, you, then Jesus dies. He dies on the cross. He gets raised from the dead. And I love this because he's, he begins to woo Peter. He begins to chip away at that heart that doesn't believe, that heart that's not sure how it's motivated yet, that heart that's kind of like, I'm motivated by fear. I want to be great. I want to follow you with all my heart, but I'm wrestling in here because I have all these different things. So, so he gets raised from the dead. Mary Magdalene sees him. Do you guys know these stories? If you don't, read the Bible. Um, <laughs> Um, Mary, Magdalene is, Mary Magdalene sees him at the tomb. And what does he say to Mary Magdalene? He says, go tell my disciples and Peter to meet me here. What's he doing? Boom, he's putting that little hope in there. He's chipping away at those lies. He's chipping away at those lies. What's Peter, what, thing, what things are going through Peter's mind right now? I'm not a disciple anymore. I remember that message Jesus preached. If you deny me, I'll deny you. I'm done. It's game over, right? He, he doesn't know. He's got, you know, he's got these things going on in his heart. And Jesus says, tell my disciples and Peter to come meet me. He's just getting in there. He doesn't want Peter to lead with a heart that has fear in it, the heart that has unbelief in it. He wants to absolutely convince Peter that he's for him, that Peter is called, that Peter has a purpose, and that he absolutely loves him. Right? So, again, you see another story in John. Um, in John, it says that Peter, Peter this is before they knew, uh, they saw him. Peter says, I'm going fishing. Right? Peter's distraught. The only thing he knows to do is fish. Right? That's what he's done. So he's like, forget this. Preaching thing ain't working out. I'm going to go fishing. I'm pretty good at fishing. <laughs> so he goes fishing. Not a single, didn't catch a single fish, which is just funny to me. You know, the Lord's just like, nope, sorry, none of the fish are coming in today. <laughs> so then 
um, they're about they're bringing the boats, and someone calls from the shore, says, "Did you, children? Children, did you catch any fish?" No. Put down the nets on the other side. Boom, they put down the nets, 156 fish. They can't even hold, their, their nets can't even hold it. As soon as it happens, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, he recognizes first, it's the Lord. Peter, of course, he says, he doesn't even, he doesn't even think twice. He lunges into the water to get to Jesus first. The Lord's just calling him. He's getting him. And then he gets there and Jesus has a charcoal fire with fish on it. And I may be getting a little bit much, but he has this charcoal fire with fish on it. There's only another mention in the New Testament, I think, with a, with a charcoal fire. And it was the fire that Peter was warming his hands on when he denied Jesus. It's the only other one mentioned. Now you can use wood, but charcoal smells a certain way. And... Anybody ever have a memory that was attached to a smell? Right? So he's warming his hand by a charcoal fire. He denies the Lord Jesus. He comes back and here's the Lord Jesus cooking, his, cooking some fish on a charcoal fire. My, I work that way. So when I, have, when I smell something, I remember something. Just, again, I'm, I'm putting a little bit into the text, but I'm just assuming maybe a little thought came back to Peter's mind when he denied him. And then, Peter, then Jesus goes right at his heart again. Peter, do you love me? Jesus knew, he, what, Jesus knew Peter's heart. He was trying to get Peter to see, no, you love me, Peter. Stop believing the lie about yourself that you don't love me. He was going after that thing, right? I just love, there's so much you go out of there. So he gets, he gets Peter, he's hitting his heart, hitting his heart. There's several more instances where, you know, they see Jesus raised from the dead. You, you fast forward to Acts 2. Here's Peter, right? They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes down. And who stands up with absolute boldness? A man who's completely afraid of a little girl, standing in fear, to now this man is proclaiming in front of the entire city that Jesus is Lord. Somewhere something happened. Yes, he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I understand that. But something had to happen here. Something had to happen here where something shifted, where he, there was so much hope and so much uh, the goodness of God and what he had been called to, it, it pretty much took over. It's like, sorry, I'm leaving this fear in the past. I'm leaving those lies about myself in the past. You win, Jesus. You won my heart. And he stands up boldly, proclaims the gospel. A couple chapters later, he gets arrested for healing the man. Him and John get arrested for healing the lame man, right? They're standing in front of the entire Sanhedrin, right? The entire Sanhedrin. And they just look at him and say, they say, you, if you, tell, you speak in this name again, you're going to die. Peter and John, Peter says, we can't help but share what we've seen and heard. But he says, no way. Something happened to him. He could not be stopped anymore. He had become so convinced of the goodness of God that it was, he was like a train. It's like, sorry, this train's moving and it ain't stopping, friend. <laughs> it ain't stopping. I'm convinced. All right. Are y'all convinced yet? Some of y'all were. I saw a couple of y'all sleeping. 
Just kidding. I'm going to share two scriptures and then we're going to pray. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is, is love. And we also often just kind of park on the greatest of these. But I want to st- sit here for just one minute. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. To me, these three are necessary for you to be successful in your destiny in God. These three have to be the motivating factor in your soul. These three remain. They're essential. You can't, you can't live a victorious, abundant life walking with Jesus if these three aren't the motivating factors. You can't make it. You can't. But if they are, you're unstoppable. It's kind of that. <laughs> Actually, you know what? We're going to watch. We're going to watch a video. I have a video. Look, y'all are going to love this video. You pull it up. The first one. Whoa. You have to send me back. Got the light. Here, stop it. Stop it. We'll go to the next one. I got one more. So here he is. Here's Neo. He's beginning to believe, right? I'm ready for this one. You stop it. Who's seen The Matrix? Anybody ever seen it? Okay. So this is my favorite part, obviously. But what happens to him? He buys into it finally, right? He, has the, he buys into the fact that, wait a minute, you know, he's in The Matrix and it's not real and he, the, they're all like, these people will kill you, whatever. That, what are those? I don't even know what they're called. Agents. The agents will kill you. They'll kill everybody. You can never fight them, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, nah, I'm sorry. I'm done. Done running. I don't believe that anymore. Well, now he begins to believe who he is. And of course, that parallels with who we begin to believe who we are in the Lord and who he is to us. I'm going to say this one verse and then we're going to, um, we're going to pray. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. This is a familiar verse. I know this verse in my mind. I would love to know it in my heart. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Thoughts to give you a future and a hope. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So I want to pray today and I'm praying for myself and we're praying together. Um, when, I, when I say buy into this, I don't mean that you don't believe in Jesus. I hope you understand what I'm saying. But there's levels, right? There's levels of, um, 
Just like in a relationship, you may get into a relationship with a new friend, right? And say you have a whole bunch of crud in your past where people really let you down. Well, it takes a while before, for, it takes a while of continual love, of con- continual connection, of continual, uh, of, the, of that friend or that spouse or whatever, not giving up on you before you begin to believe this person's for me. Right? Does that make sense? Anybody else ever been there? It's the same way with the Lord. Uh, just like Jesus, tell the disciples and Peter, I need to make sure he knows that I'm for him personally. I'm specifically calling him out because I want to combat those lies that are t- trying to keep him away from me and what he's made to be. So let's stand up. This is what I want to do. We're going to... Um, we're just going to take a moment, and you can, you can do two things. One, you can come forward if you'd really like someone to pray for you just for a, a fresh start, for you just to begin to believe afresh. Or you can just sit there, and maybe the Holy Spirit will speak to you. But each of us have different walks. Each of us have different history. And, you know, the really cool thing about the Lord is he knows exactly what you need to believe more. He knows exactly what you need to buy into his goodness. Just like he knew his prodigal son needed, he knew, I've got to run out there and meet him or he's never coming home. It's the same thing with you. He knows exactly what motivates your heart. So we're going to pray.